0: So I kept reading and listening and then went forward in the podcast. Then I went to your website and I looked at the size you have for the different properties and the numbers. So I started learning about the numbers and what they meant. And being the skeptic I am and being a techie, I actually wrote a program to go and scrape your website and other people's websites and redo the calculations just so I could prove it out myself. And eventually I came to the conclusion that real estate is a great deal.
1: Welcome to episode 1,262, 1262. Thanks for joining me today. You know, as I always say, it is an amazing time to be alive. And those assets you own, hopefully you bought them from my network, and most of you did. Thank you for that. Uh, Those assets are becoming more and more valuable. No, I'm not saying that in the typical way. I'm not saying that... They've appreciated. I'm not saying, you know, this, that, and the other thing, as you've heard from everybody else. I'm saying it in a unique way. The options are increasing. Now we'll get to our guest in a moment here, but before we do that, I just wanted to tell you there is a new startup out there. There's so much innovation in the economy, in the sharing economy. Of course, you've heard us talk about iBuyers before, and. And Zillow and Open Door and these companies getting into the home buying business. Well, Zillow is now doing this, uh, buying and selling homes in South Florida. Yes, my neighborhood, my new hood here, although they're a little bit south of where I am. I don't know if they come up this far, but yeah, maybe they do. I'm not sure. So, anyway, that is creating more options for you the iBuyers. Airbnb and VRBO and all the other short-term rental companies have created more options for you. And you know what I think about the short-term rental business. I say proceed with caution because, hey, it's not absolutely mandatory to go rent a house for vacation, but it is required that you have a place to live. Everybody needs a place to live. So that's that one. But... This new startup, yes, yes, this new startup is helping people rent either all of their home or parts of their home for really short terms. Now, (laughs) I know what you might be thinking, get your mind out of the gutter. You know, those really tacky hotels in bad neighborhoods that, well, they'll rent your room by an hour. I hear that these exist. And, uh, you know, it's funny how we look at that in the U.S. That would be looked on very negatively. But I think, although I'm not sure, I've not confirmed this, never been a customer, but I think they have those in Europe. I think that's kind of common. Now, they have them at airports in the U.S. where you can rent a a hotel room kind of thing for like an hour, two hours, four hours. I think four hours is the maximum stay. But guess what this startup does and it's operating in a couple markets, I think, it will basically allow you to rent someone's living room for a couple hours or an hour. Say, for example, you are in a city and you're having a business meeting. And you might think, well, I'm going to use WeWork or Regis office space to have a meeting. Uh, And they really charge kind of a lot of money, these things. I mean, oh, and by the way, I meant to talk to you about WeWork, you know, the company that's about to go public and uh, this little scheme that's going on with uh, the founder and the way he's uh, renting, like doing master leases and then renting them to the company and I don't know. That seems really fishy to me. I've read a couple articles on it. We never got to talk about that. We gotta go back to that one. I think that's interesting and kind of important. And it shows you that the pooled money deal, right? The promoter, the person at the top is always skimming the cream off the top of the deal. Look, even if you made money in the stock market, which, hey, lately, it's pretty easy to make money everywhere in the economy. This is called the everything bubble. Even if you made money in the stock market, for example, or in some fund or some pooled money asset, think of how much more money you might have made if someone didn't have their hand in the cookie jar, right? So it's, it's uh, compared to what? You may never know. You may never know. I mean, investors will never know how much money they didn't gain, which could be expressed how much money they lost due to the graft and corruption of the promoter of the deal, right? You just don't know. You don't know. It's a big question mark. So this startup, back to get off the tangent, Jason, Uh, this startup basically will let you take the asset you own, those rental properties, right? and dice them up all sorts of ways. What if someone wants to come and have a meeting, they want to rent your living room. What if a YouTuber wants to rent your kitchen to do a YouTube video on their great cooking skills and they don't have a very nice kitchen but they want to rent yours just to make a YouTube video for, you know, maybe shoot a couple of videos for a couple hours. There's all kinds of uses for this. So it's really interesting, you know, when you own the asset, you are in control Of something that is very valuable in many different ways, not just the traditional way that we all think of it buy and hold long term rentals, which of course is the surest bet. It's the one I like best. It's simple. But I'm just telling you that there is so much going on in the world, and technology is enabling so many of these things like the iBuyers, like Zillow now in South Florida buying and selling homes and this new startup, and forgive me, I don't remember the name, where you can rent someone's living room for an hour, or uh, you can take a living room that you have, maybe uh, in a vacant house, maybe in a short-term rental that you own. And instead of just listing it on VRBO and Airbnb, you know, maybe you purchased a short-term rental through our network. Uh, Maybe it's in St. Augustine, where I'm looking at one myself right now. Maybe it's not being occupied. That day or the people haven't checked in yet and someone just wants to use it for a couple hours and have a meeting there, right? You know, there are all kinds of options. You know, think about all the other ways when you look around the world that we have learned to utilize assets that were formerly dormant, okay? All the bicycles, the automobiles, I mean, these sharing economy car rental programs like Turo, where you can, uh, (laughs) oh, and listen to this. Remember that lousy Tesla I had? The second one, the first one was all right, but the second one was a disaster. I hated that car. It was my worst car. And I finally, after complaining enough, I got Tesla to take it back. They bought the car back. And so, you know, they finally did the right thing, but it took them 10 months to do it, right? So, Tesla gave me a refund. They canceled the lease on the car, you know, picked it up, and I was grateful that they did it. But what's funny about it is, I wanted to try the sharing economy, and I listed that car on Turo. And wouldn't you know it, the crappy luck I had, right? No one wanted to rent it on Turo. And I thought, okay, well, you know, maybe they only want to rent cheap cars, not $120,000 cars. Okay, fine. And then guess what? Maybe I told this story before. Some guy who's representing Oracle, you know, Oracle, the big giant tech company, reaches out to me through Turo and says, we saw your car in Turo. And for a convention that we're having now, this is back when I lived in Las Vegas, Nevada, for a convention we're having, we want to rent several Tesla Model Xs, to rent them just for i can't remember the time i think they wanted for like two weeks we'll give you five thousand dollars or fifty five hundred dollars or something like that it was a really good deal (laughs) they said the only thing is we're going to wrap them we want to wrap them and that means you know they want to put graphics on them and stuff and the car looked really cool and futuristic when it worked you know those stupid doors always uh, was a nightmare anyway enough complaining I said I had to turn them down because I said, if Tesla wants to take this thing back, I'm giving it to them. <laughs> I do not want this car anymore. But had that been two weeks earlier, yeah, I know, I could have rented it and, uh, and used the sharing economy. So it's it's really interesting. Who knows what things will crop up next? Down the road in a few years, maybe someone will want to rent your backyard. You know, uh, hey, people do that now. A friend of mine has a big, giant mansion it's like 31,000 square feet, and he rents his mansion out uh, once or twice a month for weddings, okay? And, and you know, I went to a wedding once, by the way, uh, years ago with my girlfriend at the time. Uh, her friends were having a wedding, a little hippie, hipster wedding, in a very well, lower middle-class backyard. (laughs) So those bread and butter rental properties you've been buying through our network for the last few years? Yeah, you could even rent those out for a wedding. Couldn't believe it. So, you know, there's all different budgets for everybody. So just an interesting thing Technology is, is changing so many things, gives you the opportunity if you want to ever exit your properties. I did an interview today, uh, and we talked a lot about the iBuyers. I was being interviewed on someone else's podcast, but the host of that show uh, happened to be uh, talking about the iBuyers, and so we talked about that for a bit. So it's just really interesting, all of the options that are occurring. But in order to participate, in order to participate, there's one thing you have to have you have to have the asset. You have to have the piece of property. And once you have that piece of property, like I've talked about before, the great thing about income property is you can buy it and then you can continue to renegotiate the deal as long as you own it. Because you can refinance it. You can change its use. You could start out as a long-term rental and turn it into a short-term rental. You could do all sorts of things, right? You have all these options. You can refinance it and change the complexion of the deal when you do that. So the thing that's required is you must control the asset. If you don't control the asset, you have nothing. So you've got to control the asset. And buy those assets. Go to jasonhartman.com. And take advantage of that and work with one of our investment counselors and have them find you the deals i will be the first to admit the inventory on our website is very scarce be sure you're subscribing to the property cast my property cast podcast whatever podcast platform you're using type in jason hartman and look for the property cast where you'll actually get the performance of the properties in pdf format on your computer or mobile device. So really, really cool. Yes, I know, people will copy me. You weasels and scumbags for copying me, shame on you. But I know you'll do it because that's what you do. But I'm the original. I had the first property cast. So make sure you subscribe to that so you get the updates on the newest properties. Work with your investment counselor, they'll help you. One more announcement before we get to our guest today. Profits in Paradise, you heard it on Saturday. When I gave that little talk about the power of visualization, I know that wasn't actually an episode number, it was just a bonus where I talked about that for 17 minutes or something a couple of days ago. I announced Profits in Paradise. Yes, our annual Profits in Paradise event is coming up in beautiful Orlando at an absolutely stunning spectacular resort property. And I got you a great deal on the rooms. So that is coming up. We'll have all the details on our website soon. But save the date. Mark your calendar. October 26th and 7th, Saturday and Sunday in Orlando. We'll look forward to seeing you there. And without further ado, let's get to our guests. Hey, it's my pleasure. to Welcome back a returning guest, a good friend of mine, and that is attorney Garrett Sutton. He is a Rich Dad advisor. He has written several great books. The one that might be of most interest to you listeners is Loopholes of Real Estate. Garrett, welcome back. How are you doing?
0: Good, thanks. Great to be here, Jason.
1: It's good to have you. So uh, we were talking a little bit before we started today, and there are some interesting new things we want to talk uh, at least about series LLCs for uh, asset protection and estate planning purposes. And I-, I know what you think about those. We'll dive into that. There's some interesting, I guess, new law out on the issue of taxation of a trust. And then um, California, they're always up to no good. <laughs> Probably a couple other things. So uh, where would you like to start?
0: Well, let's start with the two uh, U.S. Supreme Court cases. Two cases just came out. And, you know, everybody complains that the court is divided, conservative and liberal. But these two cases, Jason, were 8-0, were unanimous cases. Mm-hmm. And the first one is Tim's versus Indiana. And this deals with the Eighth Amendment, which bars excessive civil forfeitures. And that's where the police take your money and don't give it back. Mm -hmm. And this has been happening around the country. For example, in Las Vegas, the Metro Police Department took in $1.9 million from people. They arrested, they found cash, they took the cash, and half of all these cases involved $1,000 or less, which means it's not worth it to hire an attorney to try and get your money back. And so what happens is the charges are dropped, but the police keep the money. Wow. And this is called policing for profit. Yeah. And it's become a problem around the country. Oh, yeah. And so in the Timms case, Tyson Timms pleads guilty to selling heroin. All right. Okay. So he pleads guilty. And the penalty for that is $10,000. Right. Well, instead of accepting $10,000, the state went after his Land Rover, which is worth $42,000. Mm-hmm. So instead of getting $10,000, they get a $40,000 car. And, you know, give credit to Mr. Timms and his lawyers, they fought this all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. The Indiana Supreme Court said, well, federal law doesn't apply to our state law, which I hate seeing. Of course, federal law, the Constitution applies to state law. The U.S. Supreme Court said the, the federal government and the state government cannot engage in excessive civil forfeitures. And so this is a great case that is going to help stop these police departments from taking people's money. And Not giving it back,
1: Garrett, I have long said that police are just modern tax collectors nowadays. They have militarized they have military weapons now, so that 's another topic, but it 's scary uh, <laughs> in in many ways um, but <laughs> but they have basically deputized police as tax collectors. And they do this through the form of of tickets, citations, DUIs, whatever, all under the guise of public safety and protecting us. They do the same thing with gun control laws, of course. Much of it is legitimate. But there is a line when it just becomes a for-profit enterprise. I mean, you go to some of these cities, and clearly you can see that the business of parking citations is a hugely profitable business. One of my uh, friends in Arizona fought against these unconstitutional speeding and red light cameras and Mm -hmm. discovered all sorts of abuses where these companies basically would get into business with governments and everybody was profiting and the citizens were getting absolutely screwed.
0: You know what they did there? They sped up the yellow lights. Right. They they made Instead them shorter. Of in other words, eight seconds. Yeah. They'd switch it to four seconds, right. and everybody would be guilty.
1: Because they could give more tickets, but also, right. They're actually endangering people by making right. the yellow light shorter. Right. Yeah. It's just, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like the Watergate informant Deep Throat said, "Follow the money." It's always about follow the money, which is uh, right sad, really. But on the forfeiture thing, you know, why should everybody listening be that concerned about? I mean, look, you know, nobody listening is selling heroin, hopefully. Everybody's law-abiding citizens, at least for the most part. Should we really care? Like, does this really matter? Tell us why.
0: Yes. So there was a case in Humboldt County, which is in the middle of Nevada, and this uh, fellow is driving through the county on Highway 50, loneliest highway in the world, and he gets pulled over by the Humboldt County sheriff's, and he has done nothing wrong. He doesn't have a tail light out. He doesn't. Ha- he's-, he's done nothing no, wrong. No
1: probable cause, in other words. No okay. probable
0: cause, yeah. and he happens to have ten thousand dollars in cash in his car.
1: Well, oh, and he if, he had, if he had $9,999, <laughs> they'd accuse him of structuring. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, I don't know. I think they would have taken it. But, but because uh, he had 10000 Anyway, so yeah. he's got cash in his uh-huh. car that he won in a Reno casino, uh-huh. and he's driving back to Salt Lake City. Okay. What's wrong with transporting cash in your car? Across state the lines? The Humboldt County uh, detectives took it. Okay. He was not selling heroin. He was mm-hmm. not doing drugs. He was just an innocent civilian uh-huh. driving across the state of Nevada, and the deputies took his money. Okay. And so this can happen to anyone, Jason.
1: Well, are you saying they illegally took his money, or yeah. they used it under? They did it under a seizure uh, rule.
0: They seized it based on suspicion of a crime. Oh my God! The transporting of cash and they assumed that he was involved in some sort of criminal activity because he had so much cash on him. And uh, this was a very big case in this area. The Humboldt paper has been writing about this for quite a while because the Humboldt County Sheriff Department is taking this money, keeping it, buying staff cars, paying bonuses. Mm-hmm. It's very wrong. And so citizens need to be aware of this and push back against
1: it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Push back hard. That is absolutely ridiculous. So that's one thing. Uh, would you say we are winning or losing that battle at the moment? The
0: fact it was unanimous by the U.S. Supreme Court, I think that's a big win.
1: Okay, good. Good for the people. Remember the old saying, folks, the bigger the government, the smaller the citizen. If you want the citizen to be big, you better make sure the government stays small.
0: I like that. Yeah.
1: Okay, what's next on the agenda?
0: We have another unanimous Supreme Court decision that you'll like, Jason, and that is the Kastner case. And what happened was the Kastner family set up a trust in New York, and a couple of the beneficiaries, some of the Kastner kids, moved to North Carolina. The trust was continued. The money stayed in the trust. There was income there, but it didn't flow to the beneficiaries in North Carolina.
1: In other words, they didn't take any distribution from the trust. They didn't
0: take any distributions. However, the state of North Carolina, in an attempt to uh, collect as much money as they can, said to uh, tax the trust, rather the the Kaesner kids, a million dollars. And so the trustee paid it, but then went to court to say, look, the people in North Carolina did not receive this money. There should be no tax On any of this. Mm -hmm. And it went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. And in another unanimous decision, the Supreme Court said a state can't tax a trust Mm -hmm. solely because the beneficiary lives in the state. And that's going to be great for those people living in California. It will. A Nevada Nevada Asset Protection
1: Trust. Right, right. Very good. Okay. So let's just uh, drill down on that a little bit. So the concept is they've got this trust, it's established in the state of New York. Correct. Some of the kids who are beneficiaries to that trust move to North Carolina. North Carolina has a state income tax, probably around 5%, I'm guessing. But the interesting thing about it is that the taxes in New York are higher. Now, if they tax the trust, maybe they didn't tax the trust in New York, and and we'll get to that, but... If they taxed it in New York already, then you definitely wouldn't have to pay twice in North Carolina, because you could say to North Carolina, look, we paid the tax in New York, and then the two states would have to argue over who's entitled to the tax. This is all kind of hypothetical, but that's conceptually, I think, the way it works, right?
0: Right. But in this case, the New York tax didn't come up in the Supreme Court case. They focused on the North Carolina's, the lack of contacts between the the North Carolina beneficiaries and the state of New York. Mm -hmm. The trust had no activities in the state of North Carolina. Mm -hmm. The trustee was in New York. All the investing took place in New York. Mm -hmm. And so North Carolina had no connection to the New York trust. And Mm -hmm. in tax law, it's called Nexus. There's no connection for North Carolina to tax an activity that's occurring in New York.
1: Right, right. North Carolina was really butting in where it doesn't belong in that case. Now, if they had taken money out of the trust and they were North Carolina residents, uh, if they'd taken a distribution from the trust, North Carolina would rightfully be entitled to tax probably, right?
0: Clearly, that's taxable. They are North Carolina residents. They've received income to them in the state of North Carolina. North Carolina certainly has the ability to tax that income.
1: Yeah, but in this case, they didn't even take any money out of the trust, and North Carolina says, hey, we're entitled to tax. Right. They had no activity in that state, and they didn't take any money into that state either. So very interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Okay, anything else you want to tell us about either of those cases?
0: No, just, again, the fact that they are unanimous. So uh, all this... That we have a divided Supreme Court. There are cases where the justices all agree. Mm -hmm. And I think this Indiana case on uh, excessive civil forfeiture is important. and, And the Kasner case is another important one. And again, they were unanimous verdicts.
1: Yeah, that's good. So good for the people on both of those. And you Californians listening, I know we have a lot of you from my former home state. This is very significant to you because a lot of you might have a trust that you set up in, say, Nevada, where Garrett's located, or in some other state or even country. uh, But that's, that's a whole different thing when it's different countries. But say it's in another state, California, has an infamous history of doing things just like North Carolina did in that example and because of that supreme court decision california probably wouldn't get away with that would they
0: correct doesn't mean they wouldn't try yeah. but <laughs> <laughs> the long arm of the franchise tax board Cali- yeah. right <laughs> well and what what happens jason is the california franchise tax board will come up with some aggressive Tax collection scheme, mm-hmm. and like in the Tim's case in Indiana, someone will be you know good enough to stand up and say, "No, you can't do this," mm-hmm. and the, the uh, franchise tax board will then stop. But in the meantime, Jason, they've collected a hundred million or more right. in taxes, and people are entitled to get a, a refund, but no one ever files for that. Right. So. You know California has gotten away with the extra collection of a hundred million or more mm-hmm. with this blatantly improper taxation. And it just goes on and on. You know, I've talked to a state senator in California about how they do things, and he goes, "You know, if you're going to live in California, you just got to pay to play. I yeah. mean you, you know you can make a lot of money here, but you got to put up with the franchise tax board. And so that's kind of the prevailing attitude among the government and the tax collectors. And let
1: me tell you, the Franchise Tax Board uh, in California is vicious. Now, I've never gotten into any fights with them, but I tell you, I hear really ugly stories about the Franchise Tax Board in California. You know, when a state is desperate for money, they'll do anything they need to do to get it. So you want to be careful of that. You know, it has amazed me, and I, I really kind of predicted this before I even heard any examples of it. I said that California would build an economic Berlin Wall around the state for people who try to leave. And I can't think of the examples of how they've done that. Now, I have heard of some of those examples. I said this, you know, maybe 15, 20 years ago, uh, and I've heard of examples over the years. I can't remember them, but it's interesting. You know, I mean, folks, remember the Berlin Wall was built to stop the brain drain, everybody was leaving East Berlin, because they didn't want to be part of the Soviet Union, right? They didn't want to be living under communism, they didn't feel that that would be the best for their, their life and their spirit and their uh, innovation and, and so forth, it wouldn't be rewarded. So they just started leaving, leaving, leaving like crazy. And in one weekend, the Berlin Wall was erected to stop the brain drain because uh, the evil communists, you know, they can't incentivize people to stay, they have to force them to stay. And we all know the rest of the story, sadly. Uh, If you ever get the chance, I remember the first time I was in Berlin back in the 90s, I've been there several times since, I spent six hours in the Checkpoint Charlie Museum and literally, Tears came to my eyes at times reading the exhibits and, and you know, reading the literature in there. It's just unbelievable. Um, but, uh, but they do this stuff economically, too. Obviously, they're, yeah. they're not going to well, get away with imprisoning people. The, but, yeah.
0: Let, let's provide the context yeah. for it. Here's the context California, the San Francisco Chronicle, to their credit, forced, had to go to court to force the California pension system. To reveal their finances. Mm. And it was revealed that they are a trillion dollars underfunded. Yikes. Meaning they've promised X, they've collected Y, and Mm. the difference is a trillion dollars. How can a state make up?
1: That's a, a trillion, trillion with off. a T. With <laughs> a that's, T. Not, that's not a billion yeah. with a B. That's a trillion with right. a
0: T. And so you have this state bureaucracy that knows that their pensions are being affected. Right. And they are trying to collect as much money as they can. You know, it's really incredible what they do. The Wall Street Journal looked at the California, Fr- California Franchise Tax Board. And their term for how this government agency worked was lawless taxation.
1: Yeah that's what it is. If you're still in my former home state, and you're listening to this, what I have said for many years is, look, I know you can't do this tomorrow. It's not something you do. But just start planning. Start getting your mind focused on the idea, assuming you want to, and you agree with me. Maybe maybe you think it's worth it to pay the freight and live in California. I paid it for years, and I just at some point, I just felt it wasn't worth it anymore. And I left in 2011. So make a plan that's maybe your five-year plan to move to a state with low or no taxes. You'll find that the cost of living is much lower. The environment is better. People are less stressed out because they're not so burdened by the cost of living and the cost of taxation it's just better in my opinion so put your mind in that direction you can always come back to California and vacation for one day less than six months and you should be okay
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah No, there are a lot of reasons to live in California it's a nice place to live but the you know the quality of life in cities like San Francisco and Los Angeles terrible. is decreasing
1: oh decreasing is an understatement yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. it's 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 pretty bad yeah yeah <laughs> but there are certain some nice areas. Look, I lived in Newport Beach and La Jolla. Those areas are very nice. Uh, Right. uh, Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about just any of the lessons from your great books, you know, any other strategies you want to share with people in general or or any other sort of current events, whatever, take it wherever you want. Garrett.
0: At the top, we mentioned series LLCs. I'm not a fan of them. I've written about them in the book Loopholes of Real Estate. But we kind of have a new development, Jason, and that is banks, when they're loaning to series LLCs, and just briefly, the concept of the series LLC is you have one entity, and then you have a duplex in series one and a fourplex in series two. And so you don't have to set up two separate LLCs. You have the series LLC owning two separate properties. And the idea is there's this internal shield of liability so that a claim brought against the duplex doesn't affect the fourplex as if there were two separate LLCs. We don't have any cases on that, which is one of the reasons I don't like it. But what we're seeing now is banks, when they loan to a series LLC, are trying to be able to get the equity in not only the property they're lending on, the duplex, but they're trying to get collateral on the fourplex, which is a separate property. And so you have to be very careful on the documentation If you're using a series LLC, you won't be using our firm because we don't set them up, but if you are using a series LLC, just be careful that the bank is not getting security over the two properties when you intended for it just to be a loan on the first property, the duplex, for example. So that's something that people need to be aware of.
1: Yeah. Some people might have been confused by the way you said that because you said the duplex and the fourplex, like they own two properties. They're in a series. It might be better to just use a bunch of single-family homes. Say you have a series LLC and you've got 10 single-family homes. So you make what's called a child series okay think of it like an organizational chart in a company for example or the military right you've got this Mm -hmm. this one series LLC at the top and then below it you've got 10 things under it the child series right right and when you do that you've got this in your example the duplex in one you got another property that's a fourplex and that's in another in another of the child series and you borrow against one property in one of the series and the bank says to you, look, we're not just going to allow this child of the series to be liable for the debt. We want to make the entire parent, I guess, Forgive me if I'm using the wrong words, Garrett. Just oh, correctly. you're right. Yeah, the, entire the entire parent. The par- entire parent. Yeah,
0: liable. Provide collateral Yeah, and right. liable. Right.
1: I don't blame the lender for saying that. I would do the same thing. But uh, it's not good for the borrower who might believe that they have the firewall between the child, right? Each child in the series. Right.
0: Yeah, And it could be, you know, it, you may not even know what's happening. They just, the, the loan docs are presented to you mm-hmm. in the name of the parent right series llc which gives the bank uh, access to the equity in all of the child series mm-hmm. so you just have to be really careful on that
1: be careful also listeners because there are a lot of promoters out there promoting various entity formation ideas and schemes and you know, a lot of this advice is just bogus. I mean, it really is. It's, it's sinful. Laughable. It's it is laughable, and you can really see right through it. You know, we had a presenter uh, speak at our one of our Venture Alliance meetings about Series LLCs, and I liked the idea. I did not set one up. I don't have one, but I was I was very interested, and I kind of got cold feet because I couldn't believe. And you know, he may well be right. This may be completely accurate that. You don't need a separate bank account for each child in the series. He said, Yeah, he was saying, I know I thought this is too easy. It can't be this easy, right? Uh, Right. That's what I thought. He was saying it's just an accounting entry that it's this child versus that child, one bank account. And I thought, There is no way. If there was ever a judgment against one of those children in the series, it'd be one bank account. And one tax right. ID number that they would levy. they did get it
0: all, right? Correct. Yeah. And we don't have any case law yeah. saying that that is accurate, yeah. all right? So we're going into a new field, right. and these series LLCs are fairly new, and we don't have a lot of case law fleshing out the terms and conditions. And I just don't like to be a pioneer, you yeah, know. Uh-huh. I don't. I don't want to put my clients in a situation where I, I don't know the answer. Mm-hmm. And with these series LLCs, we don't know the, all the answers.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, there's a riddle about that. How do you know who the pioneers are?
0: The ones with the arrow shirts.
1: <laughs> no, the ones with the arrows in their back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the pioneers. So you don't want to. You don't want to be a pioneer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and he was kind of making the argument that. He likes the fact that there's not lots of case law. Because oh. with, a, with a regular huh. LLC, you know, there is case law. And sometimes the veil gets pierced for various reasons. I don't know. You know, I, I didn't really buy his argument. but I, Case I
0: was, law is your friend. Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, as long as it's favorable, definitely, right? Right,
0: Yeah. yeah right. Yeah.
1: Good stuff. Okay, anything else you want to say before we wrap it up?
0: Well, just that you know, we're following Nevada and Wyoming. Wyoming is making some big changes to make it easier to protect your digital Bitcoin assets. Oh, uh, interesting. So maybe From cryptocurrency, that's, as, as, yeah. yeah. As we flesh it out, we should uh, talk about it further. I'm okay. not uh, all up to speed, but Nevada, I'm sorry, Wyoming mm-hmm. has passed a number of laws. They're the they're in the lead as it when it comes to states that are going after Bitcoin business and uh-huh. being able to protect Bitcoin assets.
1: Oh, interesting. Interesting. So yeah. Wyoming wants to be known as a crypto friendly state,
0: <laughs> I guess. Yeah. It is. Yeah. That's yeah. true.
1: Yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting. Good stuff. Well, Garrett Sutton, thank you for joining us. Give out your website.
0: It's corporatedirect.com. And if you call the office, we provide a free 15 minute consult with a incorporating specialist to uh, see if we can help you. And so that number is 800-600-1760.
1: Garrett Sutton, thanks again for joining us.
0: All right. Thanks, Jason.